welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to be active participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. Really excited to have you back again this week. As always, every week, you and I are on a journey together, and it's a great opportunity for us to be able to talk one-on-one about the journey that you're on and raising your daughters. It's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be a simple journey. There's going to be bumps in the road, but that's why we're here. We're here to, to walk alongside you as you go through this and hopefully give you some tips, some hints, some resources, some things that you can draw on, some tools for that toolbox that you carry with you that will help you in that journey that you're on. Every week I bring you different guests, different people from different walks of life, dads, moms, other resources that will help you to be able to do just that. And that's what this show is all about. This show is all about helping you to walk this journey. And I am so happy that every week I get to have that opportunity with you. This week, we get another great guest with us today. Michelle Eichert is with us today. And Michelle has written for the Today Show, Parenting Team, NBC News, Learn, CNN Science and Wellness, and the Washington Post. She's the author of a few different books, One called 14 Talks by Age 14 and Middle School Makeover. And we're also going to be talking about a brand new book that she has written called Eight Setbacks That Can Make a Child a Success. And I'm really excited to be able to talk to her because she is a parent herself. She has two young adult children. And also, you know, all these topics are definitely relevant to the Journey that Thank you so you much for having me. I'm really happy to chat our with you. parenting experience. So, Michelle, thanks so much for being here today. I'm really excited to be able to have you on and to talk about this, not only the new book, but some of these other books too, because I think all of these topics are ones that we probably could have multiple podcast episodes on because it is they're definitely issues and things that we deal with as parents. I guess first and foremost, I'd love to go back. I, I said that you have a brand new book that um, that that you have called Eight Setbacks That Can Make a Child a Success. But before we jump into that, this you've had three different books that you have written. And I would love to kind of go back in time because all of these are are talking about kids, they're talking about parents, they're talking about working with kids. Talk to me a little bit about your background that led you to wanting to be a writer, because I've written books, I know how much time and effort it takes, and it is definitely a passion project to get these things done. So talk to me about the journey and what made you decide you wanted to be an author. The first book came out in 2015. Prior to that book, I had been working in this field with young adolescents and their parents and their schools because I had developed a curriculum, which I called a social leadership curriculum, and it was for middle schoolers. And it started in 2004. So my kids were two and four at the time. My kids are now 21 and 23. So they have really grown up through all of this and have been wonderful guinea pigs for me (laughs) personally and professionally to, to help me figure things out. But I started, you know, not thinking that I would write a book. I always knew that I loved writing. And I will say that there was a moment in my life 
when I was a ninth grader and I felt like most ninth graders probably do, which is I had a big question mark as to who I was. And I didn't really know who to be friends with or how I wanted to present myself or what I thought about things. I was really floundering. And we were given an assignment in ninth grade English to write a a short biography, a two-page story from our life. And I did it. And I was a nervous kid. I was a very anxious, nervous kid, uh, as probably many writers were. And so I handed in my paper and it came back with all these red marks on it. And I panicked because this happened to be a teacher at our school who was known for being very loud and very aggressive. And he might throw a book across the room. You know, so the 80s and teachers could do that kind of thing. And so I saw the red marks and I thought, oh, please let me just be swallowed up by the earth. I can't take it. And at the top of the paper, he had written, A minus, you are a writer, period. And I, everything changed for me in that moment. I thought, oh my gosh, this is who I am. Thank goodness someone told me (laughs) who I am because often we're afraid of giving kids labels. But I tell you, sometimes it's, it's wonderful to be told. I think you're a blank. I think you're a diplomat. I think you're a writer. I think you're a musician. I think you're an artist. I think you're an attorney. I think whatever. That felt so good for me. But in any event, I tucked that away as just sort of a pleasure practice. I liked to write kind of for fun. I I did this curriculum. So it was more businessy writing than anything. And then I was giving a lot of talks about the program and the effect it was having on kids. And parents were saying, We love that you have this for our kids, but what do you have for us? We need something. So the first book was really born out of that request, and that was Middle School Makeover. And that's a primer for parents, just sort of how to get through middle school easier. And from there, things kind of started to snowball. Talk to me about middle school, because I've talked to teachers before about being a middle school teacher. Middle school age is an interesting age. It's definitely a, it can be a challenging age for parents. It can be a challenging age for teachers as well as kids. And as you said, you started to do your curriculum and your writing when your kids were very young, but you were focusing on the middle school age. What was it about the middle school age that really drew you in and kept you in that space as you wanted to not only help the kids, but help then parents of that age of child. I have always loved coming of age as a concept. I love it in pop culture. I love it in movies. I love YA books. I've always been fascinated by that. What happened that sort of spawned this curriculum is I was out to lunch with some girlfriends and we were all talking about how hard middle school was for us. And each of us had a successful private business that we were running and we were happy and we were in great relationships, but we said, you couldn't pay us to go back to middle school. It was so hard. And I thought that's unfortunate. And I want to learn more about why that is. So I'm very curious. And I just did a deep dive into what makes coming of age and early adolescence so hard when it looks so fun <laughs> on TV and in books. And it's so, such a pleasure to consume at this age, but was so miserable to go through at that age. So I just am fascinated by what I call the middle school construction project. So it's a time when a, a kid is building the three things they need to become an adult, an adult brain, an adult body, and an adult identity. And that is what drives most of my work. That's really interesting. You know, I've had middle schoolers 
you know, mine are now either in high school or college. Yours are past this age too. But parents aren't always told that. And that is something that once you say it, I can't unhear it. But it is definitely something that I think that parents do need to hear. And and I'm sure that in that first book that you wrote, you delved deeper into that to be able to help parents to kind of flip that switch for themselves to reconceptualize those middle school years. Yeah, there's something beautiful about the chaos, I think. So you have these early years of adolescence where your body's going through tremendous change, where your brain is restructuring and rewiring in preparation to become an adult brain, and where you are trying to figure out your own sense of self and your own sense of identity. And what that means is really figuring out who you are apart from your parents. So to a parent that can look contrarian or rebellious or rude or disrespectful, but to a kid, it's a really important and clunky, clumsy practice of trying to say, who am I by myself? Because really what kids need to do is become independent. That's our hope for them. And yet we're also incredibly uncomfortable with the how of that process because it it just doesn't feel good when a kid doesn't do it gracefully. And they mostly don't do it gracefully because they're very new to it. How could they do it gracefully for the first time? So they're going to be rude and they're going to be forgetful and they're going to be self-centered. And that's all just critical to figuring out who they are separate from the people who raised them. They come back around, though. That's the nice part. They do come back around. Now, you started with that first book. You moved into the 14 talks uh, by age 14. And I guess let's talk a little bit about that book, because you moved from helping parents to better understand those years to then something a bit, I'm going to say, very tangible in regard to specific things that you should be talking to your kids about. And I know that not everyone has read this book. Can you talk to me about what led you to this and how you identified those 14 talks? Was it because of the conversations you had with your own kids or was it something different? The 14 talks came out of a desire to help parents with what I think is the one of the hardest parts of parenting. And they were saying to me over and over again, yeah, I get it. I get that I'm supposed to talk to my kid about X, Y, or Z, but tell me the words. I don't know what to say. And also my kid won't listen. So I don't know how to get my kid to pause and listen to what I'm saying about sex and sexuality or friends and when friendships don't go the way they're planned or risk taking or you know any of that stuff. So I wanted it to be super practical in the sense that there are scripts in the book and you can read them and at least be inspired by them and then make them your own, but it gets you over that sort of stage fright of how do I begin? It also contains things I call conversation crashers and conversation starters. So things that if you take this approach, your kid's going to roll their eyes and walk out of the room. So don't. And other ways that you can successfully begin a conversation with a kid when they're at an age when they're pulling apart and they don't really want to listen. So that's the sort of the crux of the book. And the way I came up with the 14 is I have a parenting group on Facebook and, and there are 12,000 members. They're from all over the country. It's a private group, but anyone can join. It's called Less Stressed Middle School Parents. If anyone listening wants to pop over there, come hang out with us. It, I'm working really hard to make it a very supportive corner of Facebook. I ask them, what are the things that you know you need to talk about but are struggling with with your child? Created a massive list. 
rented an Airbnb, put each thing on an index card and covered the floor of the Airbnb and walked around like I was solving a crime actually, until I saw trends <laughs> where things should be clunked together. And that's how I did it. Very practical. Very, And I love the fact that you, you used your group as your sounding board. And I can just see you in my mind's eye walking around that Airbnb, trying to find, you know, where and, and being like, aha, I found it. And uh, exactly. I can link deodorant with whatever <laughs> over here and we can make it work. I know we can get that into one conversation. Yeah. So you left that book and you now have a brand new book called Eight Setbacks That Can Make a Child a success. And I think one of the things that I think is challenging also in these years is the fact that, like you said, little things can become very big things very, very quickly. And something that for us would be like, eh, not a big deal, is a huge deal for kids during these years whether it's friendships, whether it's a grade, whether it's somebody just says something the wrong way and it's internalized, they can really derail not only a day, but a month, a year, you know, it can really lead kids down that rabbit hole very, very quickly. And as parents, I know I've had those situations where you're trying to reel them back out. And when they've hunkered down and shut that door, sometimes it's very difficult. However, you do need to still be able to provide them with the skills to build that armor for themselves in many ways to help them to be resilient for the future. So talk to me about what led you into this now next book that has built on the work that you've done previously, and how it's different from the first two books. So this has really been an evolution with, with these three books from very foundational, practical information you need to understand what your kid is going through, to very practical communication-based writing on how to talk to your kid about these very tricky topics that they will encounter to a broader, almost more academic look at what does it mean to come of age, back to that concept that I love so much, and how do you usher your child across the threshold from being a kid to becoming a responsible, happy, young adult? And I think many of us culturally, societally are just getting it wrong. And it's because we don't have a manual or directions that say, this is the way kids become adults. And we so often just think, I guess they pass their classes or they get a driver's license or a job and that makes them an adult. And those are all good things that we want for our kids, but they are not the recipe and so this book is really introducing what I believe to be based on a ton of research that other people have done and that I've sort of aggregated, what I believe to be the recipe for how kids become successful, happy, competent, confident adults and what we need to do to make that possible for them and not to stymie them in their challenges. And I know that one of the things that you introduce in the book is your three-step approach for any kind of failure. Can you talk to me about that and how you came up with that, but also maybe how you use that with your own kids and how you've seen it kind of play out in real life? So 
Yeah, I'd love to talk about that. The three steps are contain, resolve, and evolve. And I came to this process after interviewing families all across the country about experiences of failure that their kids had gone through. So they ranged from sort of subtle, like my kid had a loss of confidence, and that was scary to watch for a while, to dramatic or shocking or dangerous. My kid ended up in the hospital because they drank too much alcohol, or my kid got suspended from school because they broke rules or these kinds of things. So a wide variety. I looked at all of those. And then I thought about, well, how do each of these families get through it? I asked them things that worked for me, for people I know, and did more research, which I love to do. So I came up with this process that I think fits all of them. And the first step is contain. And that means you've got to just sort of put a tourniquet on the problem. You've got to stop the bleeding. So if something is coming at your child that's problematic, maybe there's a bully in the school, maybe your child is using technology in a way that's not appropriate, then you may have to contain what's coming at them. Or if your child is making decisions that are dangerous for them, you may have to contain the child. And that means, look, you're going to stay home this weekend. We got to figure some things out because it feels like the world's getting a little too big and dangerous right now. So that's the first step. A lot of times parents will go, good, I'm done. (laughs) I've contained the problem. That's probably all I need to do. That's putting a Band-Aid on, but you really need to fix the wound underneath there. So that's the next step. And that's resolve. And in the book, there's a big menu of items that parents can look at and talk with their kids about. And then based on whatever challenge they're facing, they can pick one or two, and that's taking action to fix the problem. So that might mean that an apology is necessary. It might mean that the kid has a misunderstanding about how something works in the world and they need more education, or they might need you know, professional consult, or they might need an opportunity to negotiate for something that they want. So there, there's a big list that they can choose from. This is important because taking action is what keeps kids from feeling helpless when they're experiencing a challenge. We don't want that. And the third step is evolve. And I think it's the most important. And that's where we put this in the rearview mirror and don't keep revisiting it so that this doesn't become the headline of a kid's childhood. It just becomes something they experienced and learned from, and then they can move on. So important because, as I said earlier, I mean, the fact that some of these things can become that headline. And kids at this age, at least in my experience, will hyper-focus. And like I said, sometimes the small things become so big that they don't know how to make them small again. And as parents, I know there's been many times where I've had to reframe and I've had to work with my own kids to be able to help them to, as you said, contain and then resolve and to evolve. I didn't have those words, but I was doing that in my own way. So it's interesting that you frame it in that way. Now, you can tell you've done a lot of research. You've talked to a lot of people that have led you to putting this together. And you talk about eight setbacks. Define a setback. And What does that mean for the child and what does that mean for the parent? So whatever you call these setbacks or failures or challenges, I tend to think of them as experiences with failure. So that word failure makes some people really uncomfortable. Therefore, it didn't make it on the title (laughs) because I didn't. And also, I didn't want a kid to see the book in their parents' possession and think, oh, you think I'm a failure? 
So I was cautious about leading with that. But throughout the book, I describe ways in which kids fail. And there are these eight archetypes that I came up with after interviewing all of these families. And they are the rebel. So that's failure to follow the rules. The daredevil, that's failure to take care of your body. The misfit is really the academic misfit. So that's failure to perform in school the way that people expect you to. The ego is failure to show concern for others. The loner is failure to connect with your peers. The sensitive one is failure to handle your feelings. You're easily overwhelmed, maybe anxious. The black sheep is similar to the loner, but the black sheep fails to connect with their family. So oftentimes the black sheep will have a robust peer group socially who they like and hang out with, but they feel like the odd person out among their family members. And the loner feels like the odd one out among their peers. And often their parents will substitute in as their friends. And then the final one is the benchwarmer. And they have a failure to believe in themselves. So they are like, you guys play. I'll sit here and watch. I'm not really good at that. You guys are better at it than I am. So from all of those... You may recognize your kid as one of these sometimes, and then they become another one a little bit later. I can tell you from my own youth, I was sometimes the bench warmer. I was sometimes the rebel, and I was always the sensitive one. <laughs> I was a really anxious little kid. So kids will pass through these at different times. There'll be one, and then there'll be another. They may be a couple at the same time, but this contain, evolve, resolve, or resolve, evolve is a way of keeping them from identifying as that forever and learning that they can be more than that and that you see them as more than that. It's interesting is that while this has been written for a middle school age child, the way that you define and that you're talking about these phases or these archetypes, I could say that I see it in high schoolers too. And I think that it seems like that even if your child is not in middle school, that the things that you're teaching here are things that will only continue as they continue through high school, maybe even into some years of college as they get older. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll tell you, I've done this work for 20 years and I've been in the middle school realm very squarely for almost all of it. But this book is actually for parents of kids through high school. So, so your instincts are right. And it is for parents really of kids ages eight to 18. So that's my setback to overcome, I guess, is I, people see me squarely as middle school because I've been doing it for so long, but now I'm really bringing in some high school topics. So you'll find some topics that are elementary age appropriate and some that are very high school and beyond, as you say. So you have built building blocks in regards to the books that you've been writing. You've been researching this for many years and working with parents for many years on all of these different topics. As you have been looking at all of these different aspects, you're at this point in your life with your own kids and in the research that you've done, what gaps still exist for you? And what do you want to look at next? Well, this is real fantasy world stuff, but I am really interested in kind of a memoir. I know that that's a departure from everything I've done so far, but that ninth grade writer who had to write that family story, you know, I think about that a lot. And um, my mother passed away last year 
And my birth father passed away last year. I have a stepfather alive who I have considered my father for most of my life. And it has, you know, you go through this, these phases of parenting your younger kids. And for a while, then you're sort of parenting your parent, you know, especially if there's an illness or they, they need more help from you. And all of that, that arc of parenting my own kids to parenting my parents to, you know, it, it's brought up a lot of stuff that I'm like, oh, this is kind of an interesting new way to explore concepts of parenting through personal stories and memoir. So that, but that really is the stuff of fantasy at this point, that that would be five or 10 years off, I could imagine. But I do think it would be a really fun thing and creative thing to explore. So as people pick up this book in your mind, what is the one or two things that you're hoping that every person takes out of reading this? I'm so happy you asked that because with all of my work and with this book especially, I want you to feel relief. I think you're going to feel relief. I think if you are worried because your child is one of those archetypes that I mentioned and you're so scared that your kid is never going to have confidence and they're not going to make friends with people who treat them well, or you're scared your kid's never going to care about somebody else. They're so selfish, or they're never going to take care of themselves and they're going to get hurt. Whatever it may be, I want you to pick up this book and start reading and take a deep breath and sigh, a sigh of relief, knowing that every single family is going through something similar to what you're going through. And we all have these same struggles and emotions. And if we can lift the veil on that sort of nervousness and embarrassment around the very normal, natural things that happen to kids when they're growing up, I think we will all be much happier and more comfortable and more satisfied as parents. I appreciate you saying that because I think that the word that you just use at the end, I think is important, being satisfied as parents, because I think we walk through life as parents many times and we do our best to raise good kids, kids that are making a difference in society, that are helping others, you know, where we try to give them the, the values that are important to our family and do all these other things. But then I don't know that we always ask or think about, are we satisfied with the work that we do and satisfied with how our kids are turning up? We definitely get worried about whether the kids are turning out the way that we hope that they are. But I don't know that we always think about that. My plug is that if you're worried about raising good kids, I think good kids screw up a lot. (laughs) And I think that makes them really great adults. I mean, I have an example in the book, uh, and I'm not going to get into it right now, but a story about my coming of age and the, the decision I made that was disastrous that taught me the bi- one of the biggest lessons of my life that it that fills me still with regret and embarrassment but i am so happy i screwed up in that way because i learned so much about myself if you are constantly living in the world of ease and perfection you really don't grow and you don't learn about yourself so unburden yourself of the worry that you're raising a good kid if you see them screwing up. You're probably raising a great kid. They're probably learning a ton along the way. So I want to leave parents with that sense of ease. Michelle, if people want to find out more about you, about the book, about your community, 
where should they go? I'd love for people to find me on Instagram. If you're on Instagram, it's just my full name, Michelle Eichard. It's two L's and it's spelled like Icard, I-C-A-R-D. So I'm on Instagram. My Facebook group is Less Stressed Middle School Parents, but we have tons of high school parents there now too. So you can find me there. And then connect on my website, which is just my name, michelleeichard.com. I will put a link in the notes today for these different sites, but then also we'll make sure that that we have a link to the books so that you can check them out for yourself and find them because I know they're all out there and you definitely, these books will definitely help you whether you have middle schoolers or not in this new one, like Michelle just said. Even if you have up through age 18, it's definitely going to be a book that you're going to want to check out. And even if you have little kids, prepare now because there's going to be times when you're going to need some resources at your fingertips. So Michelle, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your time today, for being here, for doing all of this work and making parenting easier because we all need it. And I truly appreciate that you have done it. And I wish you all the best. Thank you, Christopher. And thanks for this podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen Carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the world to them Be the best dad you can be Be the best dad you can be